Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, Lou Mavs here from the Music is Live podcast with a really important question. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Music is Life off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I record an episode, how do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen, and how do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is real simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means that you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Since I started my YouTube channel, I've been able to edit the audio on iMovie and then bump it to Anchor and distribute it on the podcast to everybody. And I still use Anchor to record audio-only podcasts. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. To join me, Lou Maz of the Music is Live podcast, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics, a South Park podcast called Suck My Balls, The Infinite Fringe, a watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, Extradivarius guitarist, The Timo Tolki podcast, and The Great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network.
in my travels, I've sampled some of the most exquisite foods the world has to offer. And that's why they've asked me to tell you all about a charming new eatery located right downtown. I'd give my right arm for that secret recipe. Your gracious hostess will direct you to your table. Where you will dine as if there's no tomorrow. So, breeze on down and don't let anything stand in your way. Oh, uh, this Epicurean haven is called Blood Diner. You got that right, goofball. So, this is Phil Mignon. Ah, saying bon appetit. Oh, mommy. The Blood Diner. First they greet you, then they eat you. No one under 17 admitted. I'll give you uh, 150 bucks if you pose for some pictures. Do you want that by me again? Yeah, $150. Right. Cool. I'm Jeff. His friends thought he was friendly. His grandmother was trusting. He convinced everyone he met he was sane. My grandma just waits down the street. We go over there and try to get some jumper cables or something, see if I can find them anyway. You know what? Uh, you gotta be really careful out there. Anything can happen. You, you, you just don't know who you're dealing with. Out there. I've been jumped a few times out there, too. Jeffrey Dahmer was a stalking nightmare. 20 minutes for 50 bucks. What kind of pictures? Now, is that, is that standard 35-millimeter headshots? Boy, this bit is strong. What you put in this stuff? It's just whiskey. Dizzy, man. So, tell me about yourself. What do you want to know? Let's start with your family. Where have you been, Mom? My family sucks. Music is Live Podcast. This is your host, Lou Maps. Check out everything you need to know about the show over at musicislivepodcast.com. When I say all art is valid, I mean it. It's something I live. And this gentleman right here is my first actor that I'm having on the podcast, and I'm very excited to have him. He is one of the stars of one of my favorite all-time horror comedies called Blood Diner, which was released in 1987. He is also referred to as... The Barnum of Burbank Boulevard. He is the owner of the California Institute of Abnormal Arts in North Hollywood. And he has his own podcast out right now, which I'm really excited to talk about and help him promote called The Fourth Watch Files. It's a huge honor for me to have this guy on because we've been Facebook friends for a while. And I've been a fan of his work since I was 13 years old. Do the math. I'm 40 now. I'm so psyched. I have Mr. Paw freaking crew yeah. on my show. Cheetah. Cheetah. I'm humbled. I'm humbled by all your kind words. Carl, I've, we've messaged each other on Facebook for the better part of six plus years. And, uh, years, yeah. 
this is our first uh, time uh, on a face-to-face. Sure. So I can't thank you enough for being on. Oh, my uh, pleasure. My pleasure. How's everything going? Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, we, during the scamdemic, we did just tons of shooting. I mean, it's so funny because uh, literally I set the uh, Institute up so I could eat between films and it kind of took over. I mean, we've been here for 26 years doing sporadic films through it. But since the pit scamdemic happened i've been in nine films we just i just did another one the other night all night long so it's kind of cool in a way you know i mean it's it, it it i grew up in a repertory theater group in san francisco i mean literally since i was like sixth grade till i was 20 um many years and um i was trained by one of the best directors i've ever worked with in my life and there's no one in hollywood that could come close to this guy i was so blessed to uh to have uh, been instructed by him, you know, like so young learning simple stuff, like finding your light and listening when you, when you're on stage, you know, it's all about listening, how to respond specifically to how the line was just sent, said to you. And when you, when he used to take us on weekends of rehearsal, so that's all down. Then when everything is pure, you know, totally memorized, then you can build and create new things and new deeper you know we can weave deeper fabrics of uh, of of the story so it's you know just amazing amazing stuff to learn and uh and then i just kind of studied to uh for film and i um i was in a, a an improvisation class there was got a casting director named michael olton brilliant brilliant uh teacher he was also uh, an actor he was uh he was one of the hairdressers in shampoo <laughs> and uh he got me my first uh, audition in Hollywood. We all our class moved down to Hollywood from San Francisco at the same time. And he got me, there was a hail to the chief. It was a sitcom with um, that girl from, uh, uh, well, it was Patty Duke was the president and I was going to mm-hmm. play the son. And I got three, three callbacks and then I didn't get it. Um, but it was Helen Hunt was going to be my sister, you know, so funny. That's crazy stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it was that long ago that we that I came down here, and um, it was about six months later. Actually, I collect cars. I mean, I did at the time. I had a '58 Pontiac Chieftain convertible, and it was gorgeous, pink and gray. And I had a couple of limousines, a '60 and a '61. I had a pink Cadillac limo, you know, crazy cars. And I got on my first movie set that way. One time I was had to take the Pontiac down to this uh, shoot called Modern Girls. They were shooting in a in a warehouse downtown. And I drove down the 405 and it was I got a suntan and my hair was standing straight up and I walk in and they go, Oh, there's the door, man. Put him in a tuxedo. Let's get him in there. You know, it's a sag movie, so you can't say anything. Of course I did. But uh and then but I learned about schmoozing. And I already knew about schmoozing. Um so I kind of found out who the director was and kind of hung by him. And then I hung by the casting director and, uh, and the casting director got my information. And uh, a few months later, he calls me up because, Hey man, I got a role you need to read for. And I go, great. What is it? Oh, it's some movie. It's some horror movie. And the guy's retarded. The, the character's retarded and they hate everybody. I go, Oh brother. Oh, great. So they, uh, I was taken up to the Hollywood Hills to uh, this director's house and or producer's house. And I go in, I go, you know what? I'm not going to play it retarded. I'm going to play it slow and animated. And uh, so they recorded it. And then uh, uh, that was it. And they said, well, we're here from New York in a couple of days. So I went to, I was living in a little place in uh, Sherman Oaks adjacent. And because I had a pool and I was in my pool when they got the call, you got mm-hmm. the role. Like, ah, 
yeah, yeah. I'm so excited by that. Little did I know it was going to be four months worth of work for $250. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what they paid for a lead role. Yeah. So I don't know low budget films. Th- they take forever. Yeah, and me I mean, that wasn't that low budget, but they're just, you know. I wrote a, uh, I later made movies with Bill Osco, who was one of the producers. And actually, I wrote a, a book based on what we did. It was called Lessons in Scumbag Filmmaking. And it was a joke, <laughs> but it was still, yeah, yeah. But uh, he actually introduced me to the people who uh, uh, funded the uh, Dahmer film, the Jeffrey Dahmer film that I did. Jeffrey and Dahmer, The Secret Life, by the way, available. Yeah, yeah. I, it is available. So I got a call from um, Bill and we're on the phone and Jeffrey Dahmer was on the TV and he's like, you know, you look a little like Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm like, ding. And I went online and I went and I got the police interviews from Jeffrey and I wrote my script from that. So literally the dialogue is that I'm the only one that can say that Dahmer saw my movie in prison before he was murdered. No one else can say that. You I mean was, of uh, like all serial killers or just like. No, of any of the Dahmer movies made. I'm the only one that, that, that he saw. I think up until the point where he was murdered in prison, I think you had the only one. Uh, right. There was a That's there was a one that came out with Jer- Jeremy Renner. Yeah, way before he did the oh. Avengers films, which was yeah, yeah, That's okay right. at best. But. Um, so, and I was literally interviewed in front of his apartment door before they tore the building down. It was amazing, you know, standing in front of the actual door. I just reached out and touched it. And uh, they took a picture of me touching the door the next day. Carl Cruz, star of Jeff Dahmer, makes love to Jeffrey Dahmer's door, you know. And, like, the director was furious. And I'm like, oh, dude, you can't pay for that kind of publicity. Come on, you know. But by the time we got as, to As P.T. Barnum says, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Amen. That's right. By the time we got to Maury Povich, which was in New York back then, it was before the Who's Your Father, um, when he was kind of a, you know, a decent Or, or the teen boot camp. Once. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they whipped him into a frenzy in the back because they wanted ratings, ratings, ratings. I got slapped. You know, I was like, I was thrilled. I was like, I kept smiling every time I was attacked. Um, yeah, but, because God knows you eat like, you know, human brains and things like that, Carl. I mean, come well, on. Well, you know, but really, I mean, I do have empathy for these people. I, I, I felt weird about posting that again because, uh, you know, I mean, God bless all these people that go, this horror. It's a horror to go through losing your person, losing your family to that. I get it. I get it. But I was being attacked back then and I was young, you know, and I was like, yeah, OK, I'm kind of a different person now, you know, uh, uh, in a way, because um, I, I, I deeply empathize with people who have gone through this. I uh, I used to be a mortician. You know, I lived in a mortuary for five years. I was an apprentice in Balmer. You know, yeah, <laughs> I had a whole time. It came of in questions. handy when I did the Dahmer film. Yeah. I had a whole series of questions that I was going to ask you and you're answering all of them before I ask you. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lived Good. at the mortuary for five years. Actually, there's a really creepy story. Uh, my business partner now for the Institute, we had the two student apartments above the mortuary back in the day. We were both apprentice embalmers. And we got together years later down here and set up a club with dead bodies. Figure that out. Yeah. We would go hiking. This was in San Rafael and right over the, the, uh, from San Francisco. And there was Muir Woods, Mount Tamalpais. We'd go hiking up there all the time. And one time we were hiking up there. We parked the car in, the, in this parking lot area with a payphone, And we start hiking up Mount Tam. You know, it's just a beautiful park. And it's gorgeous. We get up to the top, t- towards the trail on the top. And there's this kook um, stomping around like, with, you know, like kooky. And I'm like, oh, well, San Francisco, whatever. You know, we just kept going. And then we got closer and he looked at us and he waved us back with a gun. I said, mm-hmm. And we flew, <laughs> we flew down the hill and went to the payphone, which no one knows what that is. But I picked up a payphone and I called the cops and they and I said, there's somebody up there with a the gun. And they're like, 
okay, we'll send somebody, you know, we'll send somebody down. And this woman jogs by me. She's going up there. I go, don't go up there. There's a guy with the gun. She goes, ah, ha, ha, yeah. 10 minutes later, bang. Oh, dear that God. was the last victim of the trailside killer, Carpenter. You, you, you yeah. experienced, oh, but wait, there's more. It gets I, worse. It gets worse. Okay, oh, there's a God. book called The Sleeping Lady, which is about Mount Tamil. They called Mount Tamalpais the Sleeping Lady. This was all about Carpenter, the serial killer. Okay, so on the back of the book is my business partner and two other morticians pulling that victim out of the bushes. But wait, there's more. It gets worse. The serial killer knew our mortuary was burying her. So his personalized license plate was seen driving by during during the uh, funeral service. And then when we found out that that was his that was his personal tape play. We realized we had seen him in San Francisco a bunch of times, like right in front of our hearse when we went in to pick up bodies and stuff. And it turned out the guy lived two blocks from uh, Robert, my business partner, when he lived up in Twin Peaks and tried to sell him some pot one time. Like, you just can't write this stuff, man. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. So, uh, Is this just like uh, like California living or is this just like well you know it's so weird I mean like I grew up in the best time I mean I'm so blessed to grow up in San Francisco when I did you know the 70s and the 80s wow I mean I moved out of there in 80, 84 yeah I've been down in Hollywood for about over a little 30 years uh, but um, I mean it's just gone compared to that I mean I went to Playland as a kid you know Playland before they tore it down and that ruined my whole life I mean I'm just that just changed my whole life laughing Sal ah, 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 and all that great stuff all the clowns yeah that was just uh, 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 it was very very essential for me to, to have go through that I loved it and just there's, there's all kinds of amazing opportunities that I had and stuff and uh, and and also there was also you never knew really how dangerous it really was we would just go out with all, a bunch of friends of mine, a bunch of crazy actors, and we just tear all over that city, you know, party up a storm. And, uh, I mean, I got stabbed uh, coming home on a streetcar one time. And this gang jumped out and stabbed me. I ended up in the hospital. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And I woke up in a hospital and I was stabbed. And they were like, wow, what happened? You know, oh. I identified the guy that, that stabbed me. And it came within a quarter inch of puncturing my lung. You know, oh. like, I was 17. And um, there was other times when we were out partying in this place called Fort Bragg, which is on the hill overlooking the ocean. It's like an old bunker. It's really cool. It's inside a mountain. It's so cool. And we were partying there and all of a sudden all these lights go on and the cops are there and they're like, you got to get out of here. There's a serial killer loose here. You know? I'm like, oh, okay. It's San Francisco. You know? <laughs> That's something you hear Whatever, every day yeah. in normal life. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was a lot more common. I mean, I think, well, you know, what's really amazing is that my best, one of my best friends as a kid, Ingo Bodwin, his youngest brother, Norman Bodwin, was the last victim of the Zodiac Killer. And I was just on George Norrie for a little bit talking about this. There was a big deal about it. He was stabbed in a Petrini's Market, which was uh, in Stonestown, a couple blocks from my house. Are we talking the original Zodiac Killer yeah, or the, the copycat original, killer yeah. in the 90s? Okay, yeah. the original. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it just kind of followed me, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, so weird. But I'm on to bigger and better things now, baby. Amen. Jesus H. Goddamn Christ. I have seen the light. That's I awesome. Spent the last two and a half years working on the uh, script for my great uncle. And his name was Jerry Crew. And he named Bigfoot. He took the first really? class cast on Mount Shasta in 1958. And there's a picture of him holding the cast that went global in 1958 and he was a 
he was not, a, he was a logger and my father was there and my other uncle was there. So this is family history. And I spent two and a half years writing the screenplay and stacks of yellow newspaper articles and stacks of magazines all covering Jerry Crew. If you go on Google and type in Jerry Crew Bigfoot, you'll see articles that he named Bigfoot. There's articles uh, of showing him, you know, oh, just tons, tons of stuff. So uh, I interviewed most of the people that were still alive and uh, it was absolutely fascinating. I just finished it a couple months ago. Yeah. So I'm actually starting to work on Dahmer number two. Dahmer number two. <laughs> Other than his trial, I guess I would, would that probably be what the premise would be about? No. Wait for it! The prison years. Ah. Dahmer became a Christian in prison. You know, it's something that a lot of people don't uh, talk about. Uh, they I know. Only refer- I know. It's going to blow people's minds, too, because, you know, well, he was just a last minute, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. He struggled for a year. Okay. He took a Bible course and he made friends with the the uh, pastor and the pastor would come and visit him. And he was saying, well, I can't believe that God would, could ever forgive me about what I did. I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. And finally he said, no, it's not by works that you get to heaven. It's just by accepting Jesus. You know, that's it. You know, it's, and so you still can. And so he did, he accepted Jesus. And then he wanted to be baptized and they wouldn't let him. And uh, so he, made friends with another priest who snuck in and baptized him in, in secret, basically. And then he was murdered two weeks later. Wow. So if Jeffrey Dahmer's in heaven, child, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah I oh, mean, too that's bad. A, I could never go to heaven. Come on. You know, that's my a huge undertaking for you to take. It's the people that have been forgiven the most that are the most grateful to be forgiven. Yeah. So there's no one, you know, if you're still breathing, you still have the opportunity to do it. So, but fascinating story. I found a lot more ugly dirt on him too that he was deeply involved in the occult towards the end that there was two years of him being medically trained by the military to in, in uh, to interview people through you know torture and that's where all this came from um there was a lot of people they don't know about that went missing in germany when he was stationed for two years in germany and uh yeah just fascinating stuff but uh mm-hmm. yeah so that was a trip <laughs> I assume that the first film that you were talking about was Blood Diner. They uh, actually wanted you to play a mentally slow person. No, they wanted me to play a retard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought George was a wacko, but I didn't think, you know, like the I, way can you, you played imagine him was... the auditions. I wish I could see the audition. You know, no wonder no, no one got it. You know, everything yeah. about that film was just perfect. It's safe to say that the producers of the film originally wanted to do sort of like a sequel to Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast. Blood yeah, Feast. Absolutely. But, but it ended up getting was... a life of its own. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So, And you know, it's so odd because uh, I mean, this is my first lead role, you know, and in, in a film. And of course, I've had many, many lead roles as in the in the theater. It was like, yeah, you know, and we're going to have the big opening in Seattle. We're going to be we flew up there with Jackie and Bill and everybody. And, and it was packed. And we did Q&A afterwards. And it was like hugely received. It was incredible. Then we went up to the hotel afterwards and called in for the numbers. Oh, that's when we found out that Vestron was pissed off at Jackie and opened it in two theaters with no advertising. Are you Thank serious? You. Yeah, they had a vendetta. That would have been the perfect midnight film right next to like Toxic Avenger or anything trauma released. Yeah, they were crazy. They were crazy. They, they, they were burning bridges because they don't care. You know, I and think they, they actually they went out of business shortly after that. What, Vestron? Well, it was a few years after that. But, uh, but the point is, is that they, you, know, you, don't, you don't burn the bridges that you're using right now. You know, you just, like, just for the fun of it. I mean, uh, I worked with Bill for many years afterwards. We did a bunch of movies together, and uh, 
Jackie hates me because of it. I mean, when they just released the DVD or the uh, Blu-ray, um, the Lionsgate called me and said, you got to come down and sign these things at this uh, place where we're doing it. And uh, I said, fine. And I came down and, uh, and uh, the, the, the man from Lionsgate, oh, well, Jackie, uh, she doesn't want anyone else her, just her. And the woman at the uh, place, she knew me. She goes, no, 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 please stay. People are going to want to get your signature. I said, no, I'll just go down to Portals and get a iced tea and come back. So I came back and I did. And then there was Jackie sitting there at a the table. And I walked up and go, hi, Jackie. Oh, and no. She did, and you are. And I'm what? like, I go, uh, Carl Crew, yes. Starting like okay. I said, you know what? Just for old time's sake, can we get a picture together? Uh-huh. And she had just taken a picture with the janitor. And she goes, oh, no, I don't do pictures. Oh, for and I'm like, I go, really? We're, we're still in seventh grade? Come on. Come on. Just for old times. Like, no, I won't do it. And I go, Jurig, the DP. I go, come on. Let's go. No, she can't, won't let me. I go, okay, fine. And this and is I all because you... I, took all, I took all the people that were waiting at her table over to my table and I was signed a DVD, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And this is all you because know? you maintained a relationship with Bill Osco? Yeah, because they got a divorce. Yeah, they, they 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 hated each other. I didn't even realize they were married. Oh yeah, they were married for five years. Yeah, I oh, used to go wow. out. To, they had a beautiful uh, house in uh, Malibu. I'd go out and cut bushes, you know, for extra money and stuff, you know. And um, yeah, they were off there, but yeah, it just fell apart and uh, it was really bad. And um, yeah, Bill uh, passed away uh, about a year and a half ago. My condolences, because I know you were. Yeah, that with was them. hard. Yeah. I have a lot of really funny memories, but he was a, uh, like, uh, he didn't have a great artistic sense, but he knew how to make a film. You know, he treated actors like furniture and, uh, he knew how to make a film. He taught me how to make a film. Right? We did, we did a movie called gross out, which I don't want to really talk about. Um, oh, and, uh, we don't have to talk film. about it. But uh, it is a notorious midnight film. Yeah, I wrote it. For, it played for 10 years in the movie theaters. And my name's not on it anywhere. And actually, Dino Lee, who was in it, who was also the king of white Diamond. trash. <laughs> yes. He's been my dear friend for many years. And uh, we totally recut that film. It's called White Trash now. And uh, it, it's a million times better. We took all the garbage out and uh, we made it black and white. It's just absolutely cool. So we're going like to try to see a version that. of that if one ever becomes available. Yep, yep, yep. But, uh, you know, it's, not, it's just my college film. I'm not, I didn't want to put my name on it because it's not what I'm about at all. But, uh, you know, I grew up in the midnight movie theaters of San Francisco. So Eraserhead, Pink Flamingos, all that stuff, anything outrageous, you know, I, I, I loved all that stuff. So. Bill Osco, I knew of his name prior to Blood Diner because I've, I've always been a cinephile. And although I'd never seen them, I do know that two films that he had produced, one was Flesh Gordon. And Alice and in Wonderland the, and the Alice yeah. in Wonderland, the triple X musical. <laughs> and, and these are, these are, these are R rated by today's standards, but when they came out, they were X, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, today there are. And um, yeah, I mean, when he first did uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland, he was 23 and he was living in the Bee Gees mansion. That's how much money he made. I mean, millions of millions, $26 million he made on that movie. Just, you know how much that was back then? Holy moly. I mean, Captain Inflation, I guess, multiplied by 10. Probably. Practically, yeah. And he's living in the Bee Gees mansion, you know. And uh, actually, Jackie Kong was, I guess, a uh, stepdaughter of Marlon Brando. One time, they, they flew me up to, uh, to uh, Vegas to pretend to be a German investor for, they're going to do a documentary on Globe, Gorgeous Girls of Wrestling. 
Oh. So I threw in, I pretended to be a German investor, you know, and I, I got to watch Jackie Kong gamble, mm-hmm. which was very interesting. She taught me a couple of things. Uh, you sit around, you watch these old ladies gambling on all these machines and you, they, they're there all night shoving their money and shoving them and they just, oh, huh, and they walk away. That's when you go and gamble on their machine and usually you can win. Yeah. It's like learning to do that. Yeah. I, I presently have a rule with gambling. I hate to gamble because I hate to lose money, mm-hmm. but I have a $20 limit. So I will play $20 and I'll walk. <laughs> and, but usually, uh, you know, if I win, if I win $5 in and I win $200, I'll walk. As soon as you win, you walk and that's it. And you never get screwed that way. Only I, had, I went from the $5 blackjack tables to the penny slots. I'm happier with the penny slots. And, yeah, uh, but you can't win anything with the penny slots. You know, I used okay. to collect coin ops. You know, I had jukeboxes mm-hmm. and slot ma- old slot machines, and and I love coin ops. You know, I had an antique store in the Haight Ashbury. So, I mean, seeing these giant, beautiful slot machines with all these incredible graphics is gorgeous to me. It's so much fun. So, uh, but I'm not. I won't be tempted beyond twenty bucks. Sorry. Well, I have a greater gamble than uh, casinos, and that's raising a three-year-old daughter. Anyways. <laughs> oh, child, man, man, you would put all the money in that. Yeah. What's I have been. They got for 529s. What's your name? What's her name? Anna. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. That's so cool. Thanks. Yeah. Named after my uh, my grandmother on my mother's side. So Very cool. beautiful. Thank you. I won't show photos of her because that's, you know, not for you to know. My daughter's my for me, not for you. Amen. Not for Amen. you, Carl. I mean, for the audience. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. So one of the things that uh, I definitely love about the film Blood Diner itself is the acting. I thought all the actors did such a great job, including uh, Rick Burke, rest in peace. He's so cool. And uh, Drew Goddard, who played Uncle Anwar. Count uh, on uh, Sesame Street. That's who he voiced him after? No, but that's what the people compare him to, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I mean, everyone, I mean, I, I wish I could remember them all the, the names, but uh, the actors who played the officers, uh, Sheba Jackson and uh, yes, yeah, they call her the Tootie. Is this Tootie? There's a really great she looks like Kim Fields. That's crazy. Good flicks, bad flicks, Blood Diner. They did a great review of it. I was really happy when I saw that review. That was really cool. And they, they keep comparing her to Tootie and stuff. It's so funny. I'm facts <laughs> of life. And stuff. Um, I have to ask the police first- chief. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, that's a whole nother. Well, the police chief was hilarious, too. But then there's always Mark Shepard. Oh, yeah. Ah, yes. The yes. 1970s clad Mark Shepard. Yeah, I still am friends with him today. Robert, uh, Mr. Dower, yes. Roger Dower. Richard Burks, or Rick Burks, was a really, really kind actor. People don't know that. I mean, when I first got on the set, Bill Osco and them, they just loved to taunt people and set people up and do pranks on people and, and mm-hmm. just nail people, you know, and and I was not ready for this, you know, and they were doing it to me. And Rick took me aside, dude, dude, just give it back full barrel. You know, who cares? Don't worry about it. <laughs> and I did. And then we were having a blast. And then it was fun. But there were times when I was doing my close-ups where he would stay on set and give me face, you know, so I could react to something. And I was very kind of him. He was a, he was a cool guy. Yeah. Um, we did one more movie together before he uh, was in the accident. And that was a night patrol, mm-hmm. which was later called the underachievers. Yeah. And that was another confrontation yes <laughs> uh, but actually he introduced me to david bowie really yeah he was in a um days in a bowie days video i think days in days out video with david bowie he was in that and we were shooting underachievers downtown and uh, it was midnight 
And he's like, we're on lunch break. He goes, ah, come on, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. Oh, really? Downtown? Okay, fine. We went around the corner to this dive bar. There's mm-hmm. only two people in there. We walk in. Oh, that's Adrian Blue from King Crimson. I'm like, yeah. That's I go, crazy. Hey, man, what's up? He said, oh, and that's David. And there was David Bowie on a little stage. And I, I didn't fawn. I've been listening to him all my life. And mm-hmm. I said, thank you so much for your work. I, I've listened to it all my life. I love it. And he mm-hmm. was really cool and very kind to me. It was very nice. So, and I kept having to think, wow, did this really happen? I couldn't even believe it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it sure did. That so is- yeah, unfortunately, he was in a band and I had this club for 26 years and he never made it long enough for him to play here. So. But, oh, but Rick, Dookie, oh, yeah. Flyswa- Dookie Flyswatter, the writer, Michael Sonia, yeah, yes. Haunted Garage, yeah, and he played her a few times. I'm actually being interviewed Thursday for a documentary on Dookie. Yeah, I think he, I think Haunted Garage posted that recently on Facebook. Yeah, I, I knew about Dookie Flyswatter because of Haunted Garage, but I didn't realize <laughs> that Dookie Flyswatter is Michael Sonia, one of the writers yeah. of Blood Diner and Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers and all kinds of uh, and Surf Nazis and Must Surf Die. Surf Nazis Must Die. Yeah, yeah. He's got a long, long list of movies he's written. Yeah, I was just uh, Jimmy Maslin, the other producer, just asked me uh, yesterday, "Did I ever send you Blood Feast 2 that Dookie wrote?" I go, "No, send it over, man. I want to see it." He wrote that film that Herschel Gordon Lewis directed in two thousand one. No. Oh, because oh, that's the only he, Blood Feast two I know. Um, I don't think this was ever made. I don't think this this one was ever oh, made. Oh, okay, all right. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was. I don't know. I don't think so though. I literally wrote Blood Dinner. Yeah, the sequel. It's the sequel. Twenty five so, years later. So would this yeah. be sort of a uh, a resurrection of George Namtut? Oh yeah, because you could do anything with the magic of Sheetar. 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 So they're what they do. They're set up in a in a public hospital, the worst place you could be. Instead of like some <laughs> third world country, and they're just going to town, you know. And it's like it, it opens with Georgie being interviewed as this new chef that's that everyone's flocking to this hospital because of his food is so good, it's just never been heard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's getting some attention, but they're really running a, a meat thing in the basement, you know. They're uh, so it's really it's I wrote it halfway through and I go, wow, this is too crazy. I put it down. Was it still going with the vegetarian angle that Blood Diner no. had? Oh, no, okay, no. no, it was full on. And I, oh, but nice. I picked it up. I said, well, it's not too much. It's, it's exactly what it should be. So I finished it and it's hilarious. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. I have no idea. My two favorite scenes had to have been the scene where you guys cut off Stan's arms. Oh, the I love that. Rival yeah. diner. And as he's driving and my wife, who's not a fan of <laughs> horror films, she actually watched yeah. this film with me and cracked up laughing at the scene where <laughs> he's driving and yeah, yeah, shooting he he his windshield wipers. I'll get you, I'll show you. And uh, also the uh, scenes that you had with uh, little Jimmy Hitler, the pro wrestling scene. Mr. Hitler, not Mr. Tetelis, Lance Turner, you not Eric Scumbag, who sent me your fan up to have with me. Sit down, Jimmy Hitler, and meet me here this Thursday night, and I'll be ready to wipe the man with you guts, fellas, butt weapons, on dicks enough to try to break the vessel of the remedy. Now that's where I, I I got hurt with one of the throws, and I said, "No, I need more money." And Rick Burks did too. He said, "We're not going to continue." This was the last shot, the last scenes we were shooting in the movie. We said, "No, we're not coming out until we get paid more money." So they gave us a few more hundred dollars. Whoop de doo, yeah. But, uh, Whatever yeah, happened but- to those actors? Uh, the actors who played Stan and uh, little little Jimmy Hitler. Well, uh, that was uh, good old Bob. Bob, we uh, did a. 
another movie with him called Lunch with Larry, which was a takeoff on My Dinner with Andre. Mm-hmm. And it was a disaster. It was just, it was just unwatchable because of what Bill did to it later with a bunch of people with the unknown comic and everything else. It just ruined it. But okay. the concept was that he was the biggest liar in Hollywood. It was all shot in one, in one location in a bar. Mm-hmm. And I was this idiot actor that wandered in and believed everything he said. And he was just telling all these insane stories just about Madonna and everybody just he screwed everybody. Just, I mean, just the biggest lies you could possibly imagine. It was, and that that in itself was funny. And that's where we first introduced. Uh, well, no, no, no. We did another movie called Urban Legends. Yeah, that was an awful, awful. Was, I can't even watch it. But what that really was, I wrote a script called Urban Legends, which was three hundred urban legends happening to one girl in one night and she becomes one at the end a week before we were going to shoot bill's like oh we don't have the money for this you gotta write something else <laughs> okay so we had like two days to write a bunch of scripts you know what we did was we created this character for dino lee called rusty defage and oh, he geez. talks like this and he says he's married and has 2.5 children and he wore a big beehive wig you know it was, it was hilarious yeah. so we did it blah 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 and they ruined the film it was just unwatchable and uh but later on dino and i did a radio show called the rusty defage show we did mm-hmm. it for a year and we did it out of kiev in which is a very conservative station in glendale and i paid for the we i it was pay you pay for your time you know so, so like an infomercial out, sort of kind yeah, of an infomercial for radio day and i'd go into different places and i i did a deal with the station you know and i and i go into a company i get their brochures and i go to the station i cut commercials with a professional uh announcer and then i come back go hey i can get this for this amount of money you could play this in this amount of time and bam 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 for a year i kept getting money just to be on the air so this was a call-in show the Rusty DeFoss show. And it was freaking hilarious, man. I mean, you have no idea. We got so much trouble. I mean, every time we did a show, the next day I get a call from the owner. Rusty DeFoss cannot say he smells women's periods through the phone. And oh, like, dear God. Yeah. I mean, you have no idea. Uh, actually, what we had been doing it for a year and all the member of the writers for Saturday Night Live were our, were our fans and they would send us letters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was it starting to take off. You know, I would go in the other room and call in all these people as Dusty Defarge, his uh, lesbian wife. You know, I never said it would, but yes, a rusty son of a bitch, you know, and I call him and give we were all giving him shit all the time. Oh, man. Um, and I call in his hello. There's all these different voices. It was a lot of fun. But eventually people really started calling in it was crazy and um it started to get really popular so we thought you know let's take this over to david hall at kfi Mm -hmm. and so you can't get an appointment i said we'll just walk in so we literally just walked into his office says yep we have a 10 30 appointment with david hall and um uh, what's your name uh no i don't have you down oh there must be some mistake we just drove here all the way we're supposed to have an appointment you go ask him yeah uh uh, no, you don't have a point. We just came in from Beverly Hills, you know. Can you just go ask him? Okay. So she did, and he comes out, and he was really pissed. <laughs> we Probably got thrown out. Be interrupted. <laughs> he got. Th- we got. We threw us out. Oh but man! Before he threw us out, we gave him our tapes and told him what we have done. He took this tape, these tapes, and he did the Phil Hartman or Phil something show, this other Colin show. That was exactly our show. He stole it. And this guy got really famous. Yeah. Yeah. 
<sighs> so uh, we did some crazy stuff too. Uh, there was um, we well, would trade commercial time for a limo ride every every time we'd go do it. You know, this old guy in a limo would come pick me up and hey, you want to smoke a joint? I said no, no, no. And like we'd go in this limo, we'd go pick up Dino in, in uh, Glendale, and then we'd go to the station in Glendale. One time we went to pick up Dino, and he would do the whole radio show in full makeup and the big hair and the you know red little suit and the whole deal was hilarious he was full costume he was the character you know and we came around the corner to pick him up in his car his cadillac went, ah, bam into a tree oh no and he was drunk and uh, i'm like ah and so he spent years being drunk performing so he knew you know he came over and hopped in the limo and we went to do to the uh to the station and he did it like he was depressed he played it like he was depressed oh my life is so horrible and people going oh rusty it's gonna be better it's gonna be no i can't take it anymore you know he just played it off and then i called him up and gave him a bunch of crap yeah yeah, yeah. i like his wife you know and what happened was we went off 10 minutes early with due to difficulty but he said he jumped i'm gonna jump out this window and he oh, oh. and then it went off due to technical difficulty. We could not blah, blah, blah. And the last 10 minutes was just this announcement. You know? And like 600 calls came in. The fire people, the police called. We got, we got in so much trouble. It was ugly. It was so ugly. And, oh, uh, uh, and the next week he came back and I, I landed in a dipsy dumpster. You know, we just kept <laughs> going. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there's a page on Facebook, Rusty Defage, which has some of it on there, but, uh, I'm trying to get him to turn to get all the old tapes and get them transferred. But yeah, Dino Lee, he's an amazing guy. He's actually recording with, um, uh, a bunch of like people like, like, uh, Mark Lindsay from, uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. He's doing his new album. Mm-hmm. He's like an incredible musician. Dino. Yeah. Amazing. He's amazing. Blows my mind. Every time I talk to him, plays with some stuff. Yeah yeah amazing uh, i was so happy because he was so crazy but now he has four kids and a beautiful wife and he's like yeah baby Woo-hoo. yeah he's he, made, he did really well yeah he'll always live on in my mind from the scene in blood diner but another Stop one of your- yeah <laughs> but another one of your films that i wanted to touch upon was jeffrey dahmer the secret life and you had brought this film to my attention many years ago i just never got around to watching it until about a couple of weeks ago because I oh, saw wow. that it was available on YouTube and my wife and daughter were not in the house at the time. So I was able to watch it freely. And I have to say that it was probably one of the best films about because I do watch horror and I do watch I do watch ID Discovery. I'm not going to lie. And it was probably one of the best adaptations of one of the most horrific serial killers that ever happened and oh. uh, that th- that ever lived and i have to say i thought your acting in it was great um Appreciate that. i'm a history buff i Me like too. to look into you know the events that occurred prior to it that led to it and i also like looking at the aftermath one of the things that i i don't remember this film ever coming out in theaters and there were still a lot of grindhouse theaters in new york where I'm from at the time where I was growing up. And there were still a lot of mom and pop shops, uh, video shops, which is where I found Blood Diner. But I never heard of this film until you brought it to my attention. My mother did used to watch all the talk shows growing up. One of them was Maury. And I saw that you posted the entire episode. And as I'm watching it, 
And I, I've always said this. If there's one thing I remember about the talk shows is that there was always a crazy reaction. And this is before Jerry Springer, mind you. Right, right. There was always a crazy reaction from either people on the podium or people in the, in the audience. Well, they're you called know, just plants. very reactionary. They're called plants. They plant them there to do that. Yeah, they're plants. They planted there because they want to get ratings. Yeah. 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 And having been to an episode of Mori Povich, I could attest to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. But yeah. uh, one of the things that I thought was incredibly wrong was the fact that they actually brought family members of the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. and they were judging you. And I got to admit, I fell for you. When you were up in that audience, thank you, you, man. I don't think many people did because they thought I was haughty or something. But I'm just defending. I mean, they thought Hollywood swooping in. I'm like Hollywood. We're just this low budget little film. But they accused you of they they accused you of glorifying him, which is what you didn't do. You didn't glorify what he what he did. We tried to like uh, people say with the uh, the voiceover of him explaining stuff. uh, It was a different perspective from what it would normally be portrayed as. So you're kind of getting a little bit of insight into his thinking. Um, and people can miscue that as, uh, as trying to like, uh, give an excuse for it or something. But I think that that's kind uh, of a false equivalency though. I know, I know it is, but it's, it's, you know, people are dumb, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, I got a lot of horrible reviews at first and then a lot of really, really good reviews, uh, uh, when it just was there for a while. And, uh, it was quite a, quite a, trip you know uh it was so funny because when i was in high school in san francisco i i went to uh, this place called bridgemont high school and i was in journalism class and i at the top of the hill was the fairmont hotel i called up and go who's up there and they said uh oh dom deloise is playing i said okay thanks click call up dom deloise please put me right through hi and i, I talked to dom deloise I, I interviewed him and i recorded him and i did a, an article on it and uh so uh, years later, when I'm flying back from doing the Maury Povich show, who do I sit next to? Dom DeLuise and his son, Peter. Oh, go, man. Ah, 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 there you are. <laughs> he borrowed the tape from me after I finished it. He never gave it back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, whatever. Well, I think it's great that now you have your own podcast, Fourth Watch Files, where you talk about some of the crazy things in the world that could be, couldn't be real, but it's really great subject matter to, 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 to talk about. I Have you heard any of them? I did listen to the pilot episode, and I do subscribe to it on my iPhone. So, Have you heard? Did you hear the one we did about Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard? I did not, but I'm looking forward to that because I think oh, Scientology yeah. is a crazy subject to uh, learn about. Oh, and super, I'm interested. super creepy. Yeah. Actually, the cross of Scientology is the same cross that Aleister Crowley used for a satanic church. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's like the Christian coast to coast. So we talk about Bigfoot. We talk about UFOs. We talk about all this stuff, you know, and what, what the idea is to just tear all the nonsense out and get to the truth of what we're really talking about. I was just actually interviewed for a documentary on reptilians a couple of weeks ago. And I brought in a friend of mine who knows a lot about Nephilim and stuff and, uh, and blew this guy's mind. He, afterwards, he was so disturbed. He didn't even want to go home. The guy who shot it. Yeah. So we had to pray over him, you know, because <laughs> uh, it's just, it's very important to understand there's so much deception when you're in that world. Um, anything, the occult, you know, that's why God forbade the occult in the scripture. Why? Because you're opening your mind to just total bull to total lies of the enemy. So, but I just, I feasted on this stuff all my life. You know, my, when my father was a cardiovascular surgeon, uh, 
in fourth grade, he goes, hey, we're going to Hawaii during the school year. I'm like, yay! And so we were getting on a plane, you know, for two weeks. And he, he goes, what kind of book do you want? And he knew I was like, I grew up in the Adams Family's Attic. So I was like, I want a ghost book, you know. He bought me a paranormal ghost book, not a ghost story book. And that's he what didn't intrigued you. And it blew my mind, you know, that the, and I read all about, oh, and uh, it kind of set the course for some stuff. So, uh, but now I know what they are, you know, now I know it's, they're not dead people or anything, but yeah, it's very interesting uh, to, to get the, uh, that perspective out there. So, yeah, I'm really excited because there's a possibility. There's a, a show called Lost Relics of the Knights Templar. Mm-hmm. It's on the History Channel. And these two millionaires from, from England, uh, I've seen the first series of it. And it's just, they're the only ones who have found the tr- treasure from the Knights Templar. They're the only ones. And they're going through it. It's just amazing. And I wrote a script called Fall of the Knights Templar because I've studied it all my life. And it was bought from me before I even finished it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I was talking to him about that. So I think I'm going to have them on my podcast next week because they oh, have another cool. uh, another series coming up uh, starting in September of the second part of it. And, and I just have, love all that stuff. And you still have the California Institute of Abnormal Arts, which is the beautiful yeah. location behind you. Yep, yep. Yeah. I don't know if you can see any of that's the main stage up there. Yeah. That um, is really we cool. We have two stages. We have a museum and I have a. Uh, Three Dead Bodies from 100 Years Ago and all in the Ripley's book and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about moving the whole place to Vegas. That would be a great location. Yeah. 45 million tourists a year, you think so? Yeah. Mm, probably <laughs> not. not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cool. And most of my performers live there anyway. So I have no idea. It's all it's all to God, baby. Amen. Yeah. Well, listen, Carl, I know you got to run. Where can the people find out more about Carl Crew, California Abnormal Arts, your podcast? Please go ahead. Um, well, we, uh, we have a Facebook page, CI Abnormal Arts. Um, there's actually two Facebook pages, CIA, which is our history page, but CI Abnormal Arts is all what we're doing in, uh, right now and stuff. And we're just starting to do a few little shows right now. There is also Shea St. John Couture. We didn't get into Shea. Oh, yeah. Shea St. John Trigger Happy on youtube it's a documentary i did about working with the most handicapped performance artists in the world she's in a witness protection program right now my friend's dead that brought her over here and i tell the real story about what happened it's 13 minutes long 171,000 hits on it right now shay st john trigger happy yeah trip out on that uh, yeah that's you know i'm on rumble and a bunch of different uh youtube uh fourth watch files and uh yeah amen and- and Fourth Watch Files is available on all audio streaming podcast platforms. Pretty much, so, pretty much. Yeah. I deeply appreciate you uh, having me on. Carl, this was a huge, this was a trip for me. I mean, like, you're one of the actors from one of my favorite films. So oh, God bless you, this was, uh, this was awesome. And I can't thank you enough. Carl Crew, please be my safe pleasure. in California. And no uh, God bless. And, you know, thank you for all the years of entertainment that you provided us. <laughs> Amen, daddy Oh, God bless you, too. And bless your family. Thank you very right, much. Don't Appreciate be, don't it. Don't be scared. <laughs> won't. Definitely won't. All right, brother. God bless you, man. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks. Bye. Check out musicalslifepodcast.com and check out our parent network, ratsidereview.com. Thank you to Carl Crew. And if you're in California, check out California Institute of the Abnormal Arts and check out Carl's podcast, Fourth Watch Files. And remember, all art is valid. Have a good night. Thank you so much for listening to the Music is Live podcast. Music is Life podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm and RatsAreview.com. 
Check out the other shows on Rat Style Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man's Metal Musings, The Right Opinion, Suck My Balls, a South Park podcast, The Vieira Vault, and the Team Motoki podcast. Graphics for the video portion of the show were done by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find him on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leug, and myself. If you'd like to donate to the channel, or if you're in a band and you want me to review you, then donate to my PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle, with much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, including where to find me on social media, check out musicislivepodcast.com, and don't forget to check out ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics, a South Park podcast called Suck My Balls, The Infinite Fringe, a watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, Extradivarius Guitarist, The Timo Tolki Podcast, and The Great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Hey everyone, Lou Maps here from the Music is Live podcast and Ratsaw Review to talk to you about Terranut Superfood Snacks. Terranut is a family-run business based on a minimalist approach to creating the most nutrient-packed, portable snack possible. Terranut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Whether you need to perform at your absolute peak or just want a guilt-free snack on the go or at home, Terranut Snacks offer you a diverse nutrient profile that is sure to suit your lifestyle. Terranut products are vegan and free of gluten and soy. They're delicious, nutritious, and act as a great replacement for unhealthy snacks, as well as providing you with enough protein until your next meal. I swear by this product because back in August of 2020, I was 300 pounds, type 2 diabetic, and had high blood pressure. Exercise, a positive lifestyle change, and including more plant-based food into my daily routine, as well as putting sodas and sugar and aspartame, helped me reverse the type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure, and I went down 20 pounds. You can enjoy these snacks whole, or you can crumple them into your cereal, smoothie, yogurt, salad, or other favorite meal as a tasty, plant-based protein boost. Terranut believes the basis for a good snack are natural, high-quality, nutrient-dense ingredients. By keeping it simple, you'll never find any preservatives or artificial flavors in their products. You can go to their website, www.terranut.com, to find out which farmer's markets they will be at. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Anything over $50 gets free shipping. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. Let it be known, I will never promote a product I do not use or believe in, and I use and believe in Terranut. Terranut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Once again, that's www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code LUMAPS at checkout. Fuel your life.